1: This Valentine's Day, Duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love, so get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Duncan refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Duncan! Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night.
0: Broadcasting from the center
1: of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump Podcast.
2: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 364th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite people. Have you ever checked out Hollywood Exhumed? I have, and I'm so excited to hear all about it. I am too. This is where I actually first heard about the Andres Pico Adobe, which is the second oldest house in the Hollywood L.A. area. And Maria Wessenauer is going to join us because not only is she the founder of Hollywood Exhume, but she actually is also the vice president of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society. And so she knows a thing or two about this house. I would say so. Very cool. And has had a few experiences there, too, to share with us. Even better. Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Wayne, Sally, Michael, Ken. We have two Stacys, one with just a Y and another with EY. Travis and Stephanie, who share an account. Kathy with an I, Jeremy, Vicky with an I E, Ramus, and then the newcomers have a couple of kids who've joined us: Tori and I believe it's Cody. I know her real name is Katie, but she goes by Cody.
3: And the newcomers
2: is their last name,
3: just for clarity.
2: Oh yes, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's a good thing to clear that up. As a matter of fact, we got to see Cody's uh, wedding pictures from this Halloween of 2020 because that's when she got married. Yes, that was awesome. When we hung out with her parents for the USS North Carolina. Welcome to the crew, everybody. And now, this moment in Oddity.
3: The moment in Oddity was suggested by Scott Booker. A Canadian lawyer named Gary Hoy won a Darwin Award in 1996 for a bad decision that would be his final decision. Although Hoy was a respected senior partner at the Toronto law firm Harold Day Wilson, law had not been his first area of study. He had obtained a degree in engineering, and he continued to be fascinated with the construction of buildings. The strength of windows was of particular interest to him. It became a regular practice for him to test how sturdy windows were by body checking them. One place where he tested windows was at the Toronto Dominion Center, where he worked. This building was a high-rise, and the law firm had a conference room on the 24th floor. On July 9, 1993, a group of incoming law student summer interns were invited for a party in the conference room. Hoy told the students that the windows were unbreakable, and he decided to show them, probably thinking about how many times he had done this and bounced back off the windows. A police detective described what happened as, "...at this Friday night party, Mr. Hoy did it again and bounced off the glass the first time. However, he did it a second time, and this time crashed right through the middle of the glass." The window was forced from its frame and was intact as it fell to the ground, and Hoy fell with it to his death from 24 stories up. Testing the sturdiness of windows by body-checking them with a 160-pound body certainly is odd.
1: This History Podcast is haunted.
3: And now, This Month in History.
2: month of December on the 6th in 1648, Colonel Thomas Pride instigates Pride's Purge. Many countries have suffered the dramatic overthrow of the government by a military coup, and Britain is one of them. Colonel Pride was the son of a yeoman, but he rose to prominence during this important moment. King Charles I had just been imprisoned after the Civil War was over, and Parliament was thinking they would give him a break. The army was not having any of that since the king had continuously broken his promises. Colonel Pride stood at the top of the stairs of Parliament on that December day with a list in his hand of politicians divided into two groups, one that could stay and one that had to go. Most MPs fled when they saw the army. Forty-five were arrested and two hundred were removed. Charles I was executed for high treason shortly thereafter. Oliver Cromwell eventually became the Lord Protector, and he gave Colonel Pride the title of Lord with a seat in the new upper house. Lord Pride died in 1658. Not bad for a guy that was a drayman, basically an old-time trucker, and a brewer of beer, which is what he did before joining the military.
3: The Andres Pico Adobe dates back to the early 1800s and is the second oldest residence in Los Angeles. This was named for the man who once lived there, Andres Pico the adobe part of the name refers to the material from which it is constructed. Today it is the home of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society and is a museum that can be toured featuring artifacts and cultural relics. Maria Wessenauer is the vice president of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society and creator of Hollywood Exhumed. And she joins us to share the history and hauntings of the Andres Pico adobe.
2: guys we are very honored to be joined by Maria Wessenauer she is the vice president of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society but more important to me and what I think is her real claim to fame and why I fangirl over her is that she's the creator of Hollywood Exhumed on Facebook and Instagram
0: how are you Maria I'm great thank you Diane so excited to be on your show
2: (laughs) we're going to be fangirling all over each other so the listeners are just going to have to deal with it
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, most definitely.
2: Well, the first thing I'd love for you to tell them about is Hollywood Exum. That's how I found you. And I think everybody knows that I love old Hollywood. And that's kind of what you get into. It's the lore and the history and the ghost stories all around oh. the Hollywood and L.A. area.
0: I've always been a, a fan of of everything old and vintage and living in Los Angeles. We're so lucky that you just drive someplace and it's like, oh, that's where Charlie Chaplin used to have his studios and something really offbeat like that. But I've always been really into old Hollywood and more so celebrity death and scandal. And so I used to read every single book I can find on the topic and I would do off-colored things for my birthday, like last meal locations and things like that. So that's just always been something I've done for myself. In about 2015, I think, I started listening to podcasts and seeing that other people were just as crazy about this kind of stuff as I was. Yours being one of them, (laughs) Um, yours inspired me. Yeah, so I kind of created this Hollywood Exhumed and uh, started going places and snapping photographs. So all the photos that are on Hollywood Exhumed are all shot by me. Not very well, but they're shot by me. So I won't post or write about somewhere that I haven't been to. And that's one of the things
2: I love about what you do is that you actually go to the places. It's your pictures and you telling the story.
0: Yes. And that's the fun I have a camera full of photos right now that I have to research and that's what makes it fun is is, the, is the finding the place, kind of sneaking around and <laughs> snapping the photo and then doing the research for said place.
2: <laughs> I love it. Just kind of sneaking around and,
0: oh, your house is so <laughs> nice. I'm just going to take a picture yeah. I like your gardening. Yes, I have no, I have, I mean, I really have no shame. Anybody who follows me on Hollywood Exhumed will see, I, you know, I'll just plot myself on Virginia Hill's former front lawn where Bugsy Siegel was murdered and snap a photo. Just no shame.
2: Well, if you're going to live in a house that has a history to it, you've got to expect (laughs) a little bit of curiosity going
0: on. And wouldn't you want to know about that history too? (laughs) I would think, right? Especially in that neighborhood, each house has some kind of crazy, you know, it's in the flats of Beverly Hills on Roxbury Drive, which which is one of its most famous streets. So you would think that you would just naturally assume something happened in one of those houses.
2: Clearly, we both really love history. I think it's the seedy side and the mysterious side and maybe even the creepy side that really is engaging to us. And I think that's what inspires a lot of people to get more into history is some of that weird stuff. And then they get into the other history that maybe you would actually hear in schools and things like that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And even with working with the Historical Society, so the San Fernando Valley Historical Societies are the caretakers of the Andres Pico Adobe. And just digging into the history of of That family—it's just crazy. History, (laughs) history is just crazy. I mean, it's like a soap opera.
2: Absolutely, it totally
0: is. (laughs) Of
2: all these different places that you've been, I hate it when people ask me this, but I'm going to do it to you. Do you have like a favorite spot that you return to that you really enjoy?
0: A favorite spot that I return to that I enjoy. Wow, that's a good one because there's just so many different places that I find so creepy, and I'll just keep going back for more. I love the old Max Factor building, which is now a museum in Hollywood. I love the creepy old wax museum, not Madame Tussauds, but the old creepy wax museum in Hollywood. There are so many different places where I'll just go back a million times and love them every time. But usually, I'm going to be honest, it's cemeteries that usually will do it for me.
2: Just another reason why I love you. (laughs) Cemeteries are my thing too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we have you on here not only to talk about that, but also the house that you just mentioned there, the Andres Pico Adobe. And I believe this is the second oldest home.
0: It is. It's the second oldest home in Los Angeles. It was built by the same band of Indians that built the San Fernando mission. We believe the the adobe was built in 1834. It could have been built earlier. It could have been built a little bit later, but we think it was built. Maybe it's detached from the mission. So we believe it was some kind of um, maybe kind of little outpost of some kind. Actually, as crazy as it sounds, it's actually an argument amongst us docents of what they could have possibly used it for. I like to believe they used it to store wine, but that's just in my imagination. (laughs) So it was built by the Fernandinos and Tatavian band of Indians who built the San Fernando Mission, which is how the San Fernando Mission got its name.
2: Okay. This house was named for Andres Pico. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Andres Pico was a general and he was brother to the governor of California, Pio Pico. Andres owned the house and he ended up gifting it to his son, Rumelo and his wife, Catalina. So Andres never lived in the home. Andres actually lived in the convento at the mission. And so he gifted the house to uh, Rumelo and his wife, Catalina, who were technically brother and sister, as they were both the adopted children of Andres Pico.
2: Oh, I see why we're talking about soap opera here.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So so Rumelo was actually his son, Andres Pico had an affair with a woman who was married and, well, Rumelo was born. And so he took custody of Rumelo. And then later he adopted Catalina. There was a big age difference between the two. Rumelo was 32, I believe, when they got married and Catalina, 16. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. So they weren't related, but they were technically had the same father. Gotcha. And so they were gifted the house as a wedding gift from Andres. And so they restored the Adobe by adding a kitchen and the upstairs and furnishings to reflect less of a rancho feel and more of a of the Victorian, you know, to, to bring it up to the times, which was the Victorian era. How big is the house? So the original house is just a living room. It's just an actual like one actual room. So imagine like the size of a regular living room connected to a dining room kind of space. I can't think of what what that would be. Maybe it's kind of big. So maybe 15 by 15-ish, Okay. I would think, maybe. And then they started adding to that. So it was originally just one room and then they added the kitchen and the upstairs and the bedroom.
2: So it's got two stories on it today.
0: It does have two stories today, yes. So they lived in the house from the 1870s to about the 1890s, and they moved to Los Angeles at that time. The Picos did. Okay. And then after that, it really switched hands a few times. It started to become into disrepair. In the 20s, the Lopez-Gamboa family moved into the home. You want to start hopping into because from here on is when things kind of start to happen that are documented as far as the paranormal is concerned. Okay. That
2: would be very cool.
0: <laughs> okay. So, so far in my, in my researching, i found that there's two possible births at the adobe and two possible deaths at the adobe. The, the two births would be this family, the Gamboa family. They had six children and two were born in the house and at least one of them died in the house as babies. But anyhow, I found a, a writing about that time that somebody had written about the time that they had lived at the Adobe and they labeled it scary stories. So it said at midnight, every night, a uh, thump was heard from the top floor. And a few moments later, the thump was heard downstairs. They say it sounded like a sack of sand. Nothing was ever seen. Wow, so strange. this seems to be kind of like the theme something dropping downstairs, noises downstairs, walking downstairs seems to be the theme of what I've been able to attach all the dots that people who do not know each other, who do not know that these writings exist, have all come forward to say that this is what they've experienced at the Adobe.
2: Interesting. So it almost seems kind of like it's something residual. And then you have to wonder what sounds like a sack of you know, potatoes or something large.
0: I've heard exactly what they're referring to, not to jump ahead, but maybe about three years ago, we did a paranormal investigation at the Adobe. We did a a photo reenactment. Craig Owens from Bizarre LA, he came and he had he had the models dressed as if they were, you know, of the time. Okay. and then we did a paranormal investigation and then we left recorders on when we left the adobe and maybe not even 40 minutes after we had left where the recorder it was situated is exactly in the area where they're talking about and we heard something drop to the floor only this was different because it wasn't like a sack of sand it was almost like you can hear it drop to the floor and then kind of roll hmm. and so when we went back to look what could have possibly fallen there was there was nothing at all in the area I mean I know where everything's at in that place it's you know, my second home, basically. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't figure out what the noise could have been. But you could hear it very clearly.
2: Well, and if you hear something like that, it's surely going to be on the floor when you come in, laying somewhere where exactly. it's not supposed to be.
0: Exactly. Most most definitely. Yes, you're right.
2: Now, did anybody, was anybody murdered in here or
0: anything like that? No, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think maybe, I mean, and who knows? We don't know. We don't know what happened sure. um, in the surrounding area. We don't know what happened on the property. You know, a lot of things weren't documented. We're so long ago. We're so fortunate that we have the information that we do have. So we really don't know, but it's a museum. So it's a house that's filled with so many things that if you believe in residual energy, you, you, know, the, you know, that you know that these objects carry the energy. We have a costume room and people's wedding rings and wedding dresses and baptism and mourning bonnets. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of things that we have there that carry mm-hmm. all this energy Attachments, that...
2: Attachments, yeah.
0: Yeah. So then fast forward to the 1930s and Mark Harrington, who was a curator for the Southwest Museum and his wife, Indica purchased the adobe. By this time, it was in in complete, complete disrepair and they took it upon themselves to restore the entire place. And so... They added uh, a courtyard and a fountain and a garage, and they made it the adobe that we know today. We came across his writings, and they're actually very, very interesting. He speaks of duendes. So duendes are, in Mexican folklore, they're, how can I say, they're like mischievous elves. Okay. And they're believed to live in walls. And they collect toenail clippings of children. Fabulous. And, uh, On accident, sometimes they take children's toes.
2: Oops, (laughs) cut that one a little too far.
0: So creepy, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look up the image, if you Google Google search the, the image, it's just beyond creepy. But he writes of Duendes, and I believe that it was very, very, very common for people to believe in house Duendes. He wrote, it was one of our first Mexican visitors who informed us that the old ruin had been a notorious haunt of Duendes, which took the form of mysterious human figures dimly seen in the dark or moving lights at night.
2: Ooh, that's kind of creepy, yeah. Uh,
0: yes. He assured us that when such things were seen and someone was valiente, which means brave enough to investigate, he would always find the stark white walls empty of human life. And then there's this whole other thing about, I guess his wife, Dika was a big believer in the paranormal. There's a famous photo. I have a really bad copy of it. But he writes, I took a photograph, of Mrs. Harrington against the southwest side of the half-restored adobe. When the picture was developed, we were startled to see, next to the large gum tree, the form of a comely senorita clad in the costume of old California, wearing a black mantilla, which is sort of a, a, a veil, okay. which hold on to that thought with the black mantilla. Her, her face in the profile was quite distinct, and her expression was serious. Nearby stood the figure of a little girl with a bowed head. And with a Roboso scarf, you know, which is one of those old tiny Laura Ingalls kind of scarves okay. around her head. You can see I've seen, you know, I have a really bad photocopied photo. I don't the original photo is just as bad, but you can see next to her. And mind you, this is a photograph from the 30s, which is deteriorated and probably the film quality was not not good. But you can most definitely see something that definitely was not a shadow in the photograph that is, if I can tell you, creepy AF. Oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. would
2: definitely be something to see. Yeah. And I love that it's from back in that time period because this is like a time when they didn't really want to talk about this kind of stuff. And you wouldn't have a whole lot. I mean, I know Victorian photography and stuff, they would fake some things in their pictures, but I wouldn't really think the 30s was the time for that.
0: No, and he, I mean, you gotta think. He, I don't, you know, he was an educated man who maybe humored his wife when she was afraid of things that she heard. And I think that maybe he was questioning. He wrote, shortly after the upstairs had been completed, and my wife and I had moved into our new bedroom at the north end of the building directly over the study, which that bedroom, I can tell you, the energy in there is very thick. And I myself have had an experience in that room. And anybody who comes into the room, into the house, I always tell them, why don't you pick what room you feel may be haunted? And they always pick that room. So he wrote, shortly after the upstairs had been completed and my my wife and I had moved to our new bedroom at the north end of the building directly over the study, we were startled to hear footfalls in the middle of the night, the light click of Spanish shields on tiles crossing the floor of the sala, the steps coming up the stairs, singing from my bed. I seized my flashlight and stepped quickly to the door and flung it open. Who's there? I called. Ying en. There was no answer. I made a careful search upstairs and down. Nobody was there. A few nights later, we heard the same steps again and again until at last we grew callous and paid little attention. We have not heard them for more than a year now. So I guess once he's just kind of stopped paying attention to them, it just kind of faded. But again, it's the same kind of stuff. It's the rummaging downstairs. And then moving forward in the 1960s, the Adobe was as a YMCA. And a couple of years ago, we had a gentleman come on a tour as we are a working museum. So he came for a tour and he said that he had his Boy Scout troop in the 60s had stayed overnight at the YMCA at the Adobe. Like they were maybe going on a field trip the next morning and they all stayed there and that they were sleeping upstairs. And he said that they kept hearing walking around downstairs and when their troop leader would go down there would be nobody down there and it would get as far as starting to come up the stairs and stop and he said it's something that he has carried with him his whole life because it freaked him out that much
2: sure and he's probably so again, thinking he's got to protect the kids somebody's in the house and you go down there and yeah, there's nobody there
0: exactly so it kind of seems to be that same the same thing of somebody something happening downstairs apra paranormal came out know, maybe 10 years ago they captured some really good evps and one of them sounded like the boots walking on pile and it was that of a man speaking with a heavy accent anybody who wants to hear go on youtube and you look at the andres pico adobe you're going to see both you're going to find both their evps that they captured and they're they're both really good very cool
2: So it's not like they're sitting there going, oh, yeah, this person the other day was telling me they had this experience and now I've had it.
0: Exactly. And, and then fast forward now to the present time, most of the people that I volunteer with at the Adobe They want to act like they don't believe. And, and, you know, they call me like the resident ghost girl, the creepy girl. And, you know, they say as vice president, my job is to get speakers. So once a month we have what we call speaker meetings and we have a guest who comes and does a presentation. And so that's my job is to search said people out. And so they always say, oh, you you only want to get speakers that talk about Hollywood or ghosts. And I was like, well, kind of.
2: (laughs) It's my own personal
0: taste, (laughs) eh? Kind of. Uh, So, you know, now when somebody has a story and then so then they make sure to always relay the stories. anything kind of paranormal to me. But there are a few that stand out in my mind that are kind of one in particular that I find very creepy. But we have her name's Midge and she's lovely. She just turned 90 and she is our former president but she's a docent and she's just amazing. Let's just say she's so cool. She was in our gang. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But she was there by herself. It was kind of close closing up time and there was upstairs in our loft. We have a research area and there was a, there was a gentleman who was there doing some research and Midge was the last one left in the house. And so she was kind of hurrying him out and he was coming down the stairs and he said, oh, is is that your granddaughter? And she kind of looked at him like, what what are you talking about my granddaughter? And he's like, playing upstairs. Is that your granddaughter? She's so sweet. And she was like, I'm here alone. Like, I don't have grandchildren here. So he forced her to go back upstairs to look around. And he said that the entire time he was up there researching that there was a little girl running around and kind of playing like, you know, peekaboo with him.
2: Wow. So he not only hears her, but he saw her. Yes. Wow.
0: And a full-bodied apparition because he, I
2: Thought mean, she leg- was real.
0: legitimately believes that he's seeing a little girl. Wow. This story I heard way before I even joined the Historical Society. I've known one of their members for years, and she had told me that they, they we have this, this really nice park that they rent out for parties. And so when they've when they rented out the park for, the part, for parties, they, they lock up the entire museum. And so the museum was locked up and she was in our courtyard and so she doesn't even know why she looked up. And when she looked up to the window upstairs, she saw a woman standing in the window staring at her. And so she quickly opened up the house thinking that maybe somebody from the party had gotten in the house. And she did a quick search of the house and nobody, but she swears to me that she saw her very very clearly staring down at her from that top lofty area
2: it was convincing enough that she went into the house to see who was in there
0: yeah yeah and this is somebody that i've known for a very long time and she does not one that's going to we all have the friends who think something falls off a shelf and it's paranormal we yes. all we all have that friend yes. no she was still wondering in her mind what it could have been wow but we have another member who was there alone and he was upstairs and he kept hearing somebody say hello, hello, just go downstairs and there'd be nobody down there. Oh, we have another story, another one where it was like, it was right after the, you know, in 1994, we had a huge earthquake in in Los Angeles and the Adobe sustained a lot of damage Hmm. and they had their monthly board of directors meeting. They had to have it outside and they were sitting, all sitting in our, you know, the members of the time were sitting in their courtyard and it wasn't just one member, but Several heard something and kind of turned around and looked at towards the house. And they saw a man, tall man, kind of, they said, you know, kind of larger. And he walked from the dining room through the, you know, you can see it through the windows of like the doors have windows. You can kind of see in. And they saw him walk from the dining room through the living room. And then when he got to the door, which would be uh, technically the front of the adobe, they're on the back side of the adobe. When he got to the door, he just, sort of disappeared into the door. Oh. And so, again, I relate that to the EVP, that Apricot, that was the boots walking. Mm-hmm. And also Mark Harrington reported the same thing, the boots walking. So, I mean, could it, been, could it be Rumelo? I don't know. I mean, people think that maybe Rumelo and Catalina are who haunt the house just because it was their their first home. They lived there for more than 20 years. Maybe they had some kind of attachment to it. I mean, we don't know. Strange enough that the same things kind of keep happening in loop.
2: How many times have you guys had paranormal investigators come in to investigate?
0: We just had one maybe a few weeks ago. A lot. Not a lot, a lot, but probably at least 15, I would say.
2: So the house is kind of open to having people explore that kind of thing.
0: I I, I don't think it was. And I think now I've kind of made it open to that. Mm -hmm. I think I've kind of said, hey... To the powers that be. Listen, people are interested in this. And if the paranormal are making people interested in history, then we're making people interested in history. Not sure if you follow the ghosty girls. They're the two little girls that are uh, eight and 10 who are paranormal investigators. I heard about
2: them from you. And so I did start following them because I thought,
0: okay, These okay, well, then, there you go. Cool. So their mom, Erin, you know, makes them choose a haunted location. And then she makes them research the history of the location before she takes them, which I think is amazing. If it if it's keeping that love of history alive is, is basically what I tell, you know, the, the board of directors at the Adobe. It's like, they don't really tell me anything at this point. I just kind of bring people in. If people ask me is that they want to come and investigate, I usually just let them come in and investigate.
2: For some of these places too, it's what actually saves them. Because there's people who are like, I'll just tear down that derelict place or whatever. And then they're like, oh, wait, there's some spirits here. People start coming in. It starts bringing in some money. Hey, look, we can pay to move a new
0: definitely. And I was putting together a ghost tour prior. I had gotten permission to actually move forward with it. And then COVID happened with everything in 2020. As soon as we can get back to some kind of normality that we can actually have people in the museum again. Yeah, I plan on hosting a ghost tour probably like once a month.
2: Sure, that'll be fun. So, with the other kinds of tours, the historical ones, are those a daily thing that they offer when everything is opened up again?
0: We're open on um, Mondays and I mean Sundays and Mondays is the days that we're open. Okay. And we were actually in the process of putting together an outdoor tour because we have enough enough things outdoors that people can kind of peek around. But Los Angeles just had another stay-at-home order, so that's been kind of Let's put up on for hold. Right now. Sure. I do have my own personal paranormal experiences that happened there. The first thing that happened to me was I was in the middle of a tour and we were in that again in that upstairs lofty area and there was a leaning up against the wall framed map. And so now they're leaning up against the wall and they're weighted. So it's not like walking by them will propel them forward.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so now I'm walking. The person I'm giving the tour to is walking a few steps behind me. And as I'm like about to step in front of these maps, they kind of come lunging forward. Interesting. And there's so no breeze, I'm assuming. I startled and kind of jump back and she jumps back. And so I push them all back. She helps me because they're, they're kind of heavy and I'm pushing them and putting them back. And okay, she's kind of looking at me like, okay, how did that happen? <laughs> so now we're, you know, we, you know we're, we've moved on. We're going on with our tour. And as we step into the bedroom... The bedroom, when you first step in, has a little gate around like a little squared area, the squared off area that's gated. On the other side of the gate is a little bench that has these little metal balls that are, I mean, if I showed them to you, you wouldn't know what they were for because nobody knows what they're for. And the whole time that I showed them on a tour, one person knew what they were for. And what they were, what they were is, is you put, babies would put their hands in them. They're like little metal mittens so that they wouldn't scratch their faces. Oh, I had no idea they used those things. And, I, no. And I'm like, well, they didn't scratch their face, but they gave themselves a concussion. I don't even understand. <laughs> but <laughs> it's so funny. And so they were sitting up up top on this little bench. On top of the railing, there's old quilt hanging over. So they're covering the slats of the, of the railing. Okay. And as I step into the room, these little metal balls come flying at me. <laughs> With, I mean, just... just like somebody threw them at me wow so again i stepped back and the ladies like kind of like the person giving a tour she's just looking at me like what is happening so i just picked them up off the floor and put them where they belong kind of just went on <laughs> but acted like nothing had happened and then i went back to trying to figure out how this could have happened i stepped on the floor a million times there's no way it would have literally had to move to the right move between the blankets, move between rails. There was really no explanation as much as I tried. This poor woman Um,
2: is just on a little history tour and look at what's happening.
0: Exactly. And in the middle of the day, people are under the impression that you have to go ghost hunting at night. Does mm-hmm. it make it funner? Does it make it creepier? Of course. But it's going to happen at any time. If a place has some kind of paranormal activity, it's, and it's most likely when you're not looking for it that it's going to happen.
2: Exactly. I always wonder if they even have time on that side. So that, do they even know what time do, it is? don't
0: they do, and that's exactly, it's not like they're like, oh, it's nine o'clock Eastern, time <laughs> to go uh, haunt <laughs> the Andres Adobe. Yeah. I don't think it works that way. The last experience I had was on Halloween this year. I was hosting a little preschool pod, a uh, Halloween party at the Adobe, and my girl that I work with and myself had dressed in costume when we were both dressed like Day of the Dead. So we had, you know, traditional Mexican dresses on and flower crowns and the, the whole line. Nice. She had on the flower crown with a short mantilla, so a is a veil. Okay. So if you remember from when I was talking about Mark Harrington and he said that the woman in the photograph had a mantilla. Yeah. So now we're on the backside of the Adobe pre this party happening. And I tell her, let's go, you know, there's all kinds of creepy things back there. You know, there's old like wooden, like church, pew benches and an old gravestone uh, headstone. So I was like, come take, pictures of me. I'm thinking, you know, for my Instagram, of course, like I'm in costume. (laughs) It's creepy back here. So we're taking pictures and we can hear conversation from the other side of the house. Clearly a man and a woman, clearly. So I tell her, oh, I think some of the parents have gotten here and she's like, oh, okay, we'll just take a few more. And then I, again, I can hear the conversation. And so now she's, you know, she's laughing. She's like, oh, you know, we're back here taking pictures and they're all waiting on us. And so she clearly heard the conversation as well. So now we're walking around the Adobe and we hear the man and the woman talking again. It's not like I can even distinguish what they were saying. It was just like, you can hear the conversation. And I tell her, oh, you know, we're not late. Look, it's 10 to 10. And it doesn't start till 10. As we're coming around the house, She's walking behind me, and we are coming around the house, and I can see, I realize nobody at all is even in our parking lot, <laughs> and so there is no one around, and the property is pretty big, and the house is pretty far set back, so I turn around to tell her, oh, my God, there's nobody here, and when I turn around to tell her, oh, my God, nobody's here, I see her head fly back, and her mantilla gets pulled off her head. Whoa. It ended up, like, on the back of her head. Wow. And she just looked at me, and she was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "I have no idea." But something was obviously trying to catch her attention.
2: Yeah, and maybe didn't like the fact that she was wearing the mantilla or something. It was I think like they're so. trying to take
0: it off. I think we stirred something up with the whole being dressed the part and the mantilla, and it was Halloween. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Diane, I don't know, but it was really pretty creepy because I, I actually like saw it happening. It wasn't even something that it was like with the little balls flying or of pictures, you know, where you can question maybe this happened. No, this was like with my own eyes. I just saw it just being like, and it wasn't long. It's not like she stepped on it. It was only shoulder length. It was that. It was like somebody grabbing the top, from the top of her head and pulling it back. And her head went back.
2: I mean, this is almost, uh, you know, kind of in a violent type motion. It makes you picture there's another woman that you can't see in the home going, I'm the lady of the house. Who do you think you are?
0: Most and definitely. Because that's the way Most she would definitely. dress. You know what's funny? You're the second person to tell me that. Because at first when it happened, I don't know if it's, if it's because, how can I say, I'm attached to the house. Hmm. And so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would never spend the night there by myself. Not at all. But I'm very, very at peace and comfortable there. So when it first happened, I just kind of thought like, oh, maybe it was like, hey, look at me. Mm -hmm. But you're the second person that said that to me where they're like, that's kind of aggressive. And the more I think about it, you're absolutely right. It is is kind of aggressive.
2: Yeah, because it's one thing to kind of tug on somebody's clothing. You know, you hear people talk about that. But to physically make it, I mean, for somebody to snap their head back, that's not something that you easily do. There has to be some kind of motion that's forcing you to go in that direction. Most definitely. And that was a really recent one. So that's amazing.
0: Yeah, that just happened. uh, Yeah, like I said, Halloween.
2: (laughs) And the perfect day for it, too. Oh, for sure. Well, obviously, you are into ghost kind of stuff. And so I always ask people, how did that get started? And it's usually because they've had their own experiences.
0: I would say that I've never not known the paranormal is the best way to describe.
2: This goes way back for you.
0: Yeah, it goes way back for me, and it's also a cultural thing, I think. My parents are Cuban, and Cubans are very superstitious and Catholic, and all. It, I think it all goes hand-in-hand hand together with ghosts. Mm-hmm. The Ghosts have always been part of a story my mom has told us of some kind, and always superstition involved in everything we ever did when we were growing up. But my first personal paranormal experience was when I was about maybe two or three And my my dad's brother had passed away when I was about a year old and my dad's brother's passing was a very big part of my childhood. We would go to the cemetery every weekend. So that's, I think, where I think I became a Tassel when I was like three, because it's what we <laughs> what we did every week. And it was my park where I learned how to drive. Very weird. But <laughs> uh, and that's and that's the cemetery that I that I feature on Hollywood exhumed a lot. It's very close to where I live. It's called Valhalla. It was the first cemetery here in the valley. And it has a lot of like old silent movie stars. And it's a really, really cool place. But that's where my uncle's buried. And so we would kind of go exploring and stuff there. But back to my first paranormal experience. So I would, my mom would put me to nap, lay down. I don't know. She would put me in her bed and everybody, I remember everybody else being awake, but I would be laying in her bed and she would leave the door kind of cracked open. And I remember a man peeking in on me nightly and he would do, you know, kind of creak the door and then kind of put his head in and then kind of do the like, put the finger over the mouth, like, Shh, kind of, <laughs> and peekaboo and laugh and wave. And I would laugh. And it was a very, very long time ago, Diane. And I remember very clearly, very, very clearly. And so I would ask my mom, who's that man? And she was like, kind of confused because there was no man in the house. My dad was at work or what have you. And so she was kind of confused. And so she would say, well, you know, what does he look like? And then I think it kind of clicked in her mind because I wasn't the only one from the family who had seen him. Mm. So she ended up telling me that it was Papa Dios, which means it was Jesus (laughs) looking in on me. Sure. What's really crazy about that is that my cousin, his grandson looks a lot like what drawings of Jesus look like. So it's kind of very odd that it all kind of connected together. (laughs) Sure. Well, you know,
2: some of my favorite ghost stories are about people who have family members that come back to visit. It just is so heartwarming to hear that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And then my mom, one time I remember when I was very little, we were barbecuing and she came into the house to get something from the kitchen. And she saw him standing like in the doorway going into our living room. And he was just kind of standing there staring at her. My sister, as well, I have a sister who's four years older than me. And she was at the neighbor's house and she was walking back. And it was night so it was quiet and she as she was walking back from the neighbor's house she heard footsteps behind her and so she started walking a little faster and it started walking a little faster and so she finally looked back and when she looked back it was my uncle wow were we keeping them here by visiting this this is a very cultural thing i'm going to say and it, i i think that there's a belief for some latinos that maybe we're keeping them here by continuously visiting that often and that kind of stuff Gotcha. So were we doing that? I don't know. Or maybe he just hasn't hadn't crossed over yet or I'm not exactly sure, but he most most definitely was, was looking over me.
2: Well, I think that's the case for most of us is we don't have the answers to that kind of thing. I'm always like, is it that we have the ability to come back and forth? Is it you haven't crossed over yet? We, you know, I always say we're not going to know till we're actually there.
0: Right. And why is it that some people are still here? And why is it that some people aren't? Exactly. What, what's the difference? Like why? I don't know. It, yeah. A million questions that we're never going to know until it happens. and
2: We won't be able to tell anybody because we'll be stuck over there or here. And
0: exactly, we'll, we'll be like, exactly. I can only say one exactly. word into
2: that recorder. So the EVP is just not coming out. I'm giving you a full paragraph and all it's getting is hello. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any other experiences from the time that you were younger like that up until you started working at this house?
0: Oh, most definitely. I've had things, uh, one night, my sister and I, probably I'm in my late teens. For some reason, we always used to keep our garage. Our, our garage was kind of the hub of the house. We always were hanging out in our garage. It was a detached garage and we were always, it was like the hub of the house. And the garage was, the garage door was open and we had a rocking chair in there. And so now my sister and I were going to go out for the night, probably to Denny's. I don't know. We were crossing this we were about to go across the street to tell my mom was visiting a neighbor. We were about to go over to say, "Hey, we're leaving for x amount of time." And so, as we're both walking down our driveway, we both, at the same time, for whatever reason, turned our it's just you know those things happen where you don't even know it's kind of like with the lady I was telling you, and she looked up at the house and saw the lady in the window, and she doesn't even know what drew her to look up at the house. It was kind of like we both turned our head at the same time. We're at the end of the driveway. And at the other end of the garage and in the garage with the rocking chair, there was a there was an old lady in the rocking chair and she's looking at us and she's rocking.
2: <laughs> You're going, We don't know you?
0: No. And it was exactly. And it's not like at that point we had like some like maybe a deceased grandparent or something like that that had been here, who had lived here. We have no idea. But I can tell you that we both saw her very clearly. I mean, what's creepier than an old lady in a rocking chair?
2: Well, and I love that you both saw it because anytime you share an experience, then it's not something that was just in my head or I imagined it. It's like, okay.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Maybe like two years ago, my husband and I were sitting in our family room and he's a very much non-believer, by the way. Okay. I have a canvas, uh, Charlie Chaplin canvas on On one of the walls, and so now it's we're watching TV sitting on on the you know on the sofa, watching TV to the right of the TV is this Charlie Chaplin canvas, and we're both watching TV and through the our peripheral, we can see that the canvas has now slid completely to one side and <laughs> has held itself there and just held itself there and then completely dropped back into place. Wow. And so so he's like, there must have been an earthquake. Like he we're we're like now stomping around it. But what gets me, it's not like it just moved. A big truck could come by, it's mm-hmm. canvas. There could be a, a a million reasons what could have happened, but it literally held itself midair and then like maybe like, you know, count to six and then put itself back into place.
2: And it's strange enough that you both are like, wait a minute, what just happened? It's not like you went. Oh, yeah, life, so we just kind of looked at each it. other
0: and we're like, holy cow, what was that? <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's great that he saw it because he doesn't believe in this stuff.
0: Exactly. And then there's, you know, there's things where it's like I've heard growing up all of the time, we would be, we would say, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. It was constantly somebody calling our name. Mm. Continuously. That's even happened to me at work before interesting. where I've had somebody just say my name, like very close to my ear, call me, call me, call me. I just ignore it. Sometimes it just catches, you know, people say, oh, well, you can tune it out or you can ignore it or you can tap into it. But I think it just mostly happens when you're not even thinking about
1: it.
2: That's usually, I mean, obviously, if you go and specifically are investigating somewhere, that's something else. But any other experience I've ever had, I've not been expecting anything to happen and it just throws me for a loop.
0: Right. Exactly. I think that if you're searching for something, um, and you capture something, count yourself really lucky. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't think that's just I don't do not think that that's the way it works.
2: No, I don't. I, I think if you have something that's really amazing like that, it's usually like when people see a full bodied apparition. It's generally somebody who doesn't even believe in this stuff, or they're not even looking for it. And they're the ones who see it. People like me who are like, Oh, I'd love to see a full bodied apparition never happens.
0: You know, going back, I remember being. Oh, I think this is probably the only other time that I can tell you that I've seen a full body apparition. Is I must have been like maybe, maybe fifteen or so, and I think that that's like when your senses are most heightened. Is like when you're a child and you know, in, in adolescence, I think you're really in tune to everything. Sure. But we were at a family friend's house, and it was just my mom and myself and the the little old lady who we were visiting, and she lived in a one bedroom apartment. So it was kind of like the living room and then a little hallway with a bathroom and a bedroom. No other way to get out except the front door. So I'm sitting just bored because I'm 15 and now I'm, you know, at somebody's house that I don't really, you know, would rather be someplace else, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and a board bored and I see a man walk from the bedroom to the bathroom. And I was kind of like, oh my, like, who is that? Like, this is odd to be- she wasn't married. She didn't live with anybody. So I asked her if I could use her restroom just because I wanted to go and investigate because now it was like, I wasn't exactly scared. I was more curious. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like peeked into her bedroom and there was nobody in there. And then I went into the bathroom and there's nobody there. It's to the point where till today, I can tell you he was wearing a sweater vest. He was medium height, a little chubby, probably in the seventies. I mean, that's how much, how clearly I saw him. Wow. I mean, I, I never, my brain never went to ghosts. My brain went to being like nosy, like who does she have in the apartment?
2: Yeah, scandal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. And he just disappeared into the bathroom, apparently. because he, he disappeared to in
0: the bathroom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So strange. When people so strange. ask
2: you what you think a ghost is, what do you say? Oh, million dollar question.
0: I, I mean, the million dollar question, it's like you can make it romantic. You can make it so tragic. I don't know. I, I kind of feel, I, I want to say it, it is some kind of stamp in time where something maybe part of me wants to think it's that, but then how, for example, the things that are happening at the Adobe, I kind of feel like it's residual energy. I feel like it's just on loop. Mm-hmm. But then how would I explain my uncle visiting back? Sure. And how do you explain like other people that you love so, so much, and we're so attached to, and we're so attached to you, and they don't come back to visit. I mean, I guess that's why it's the unknown. We we just we just don't know. Maybe somebody who is very close to you just knows you wouldn't be able to handle seeing them. You know, I that's mean, because if my dad came back to visit me. I don't think I could handle that.
2: That's a, that's a really good thought because you know, for some people, they couldn't handle seeing somebody come back from the dead. Period. In a ghost form. But also for other people, it just might be very traumatic if this is somebody you were very connected to and to have them there all of a sudden and then gone again.
0: Exactly. Which is why I think that may be more like they come back to you and with signs, you know. Sure. Like a song or how Leaving they make coins dime. or feathers yep. or things that maybe maybe seeing the same number over and over again or, you know, little reminders. Maybe that's the way that they're coming back for people who they're very close to.
2: Well, Maria, every time I say your name, I just want to break into the song from West Side Story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Why don't you tell
2: everybody where they can find out more about you and see all of your wonderful pictures?
0: So it is Hollywood Exhumed on Instagram. And uh, yes, please, please follow Facebook. But I haven't really grown the Facebook. I kind of just share what I've been doing on Instagram onto the Facebook my girlfriend, Joanne, who is an amazing event producer in uh, here in Los Angeles, and I are planning on recording our first episode of Hollywood Exhumed, the podcast in the next month.
2: I am so excited. Please let me know when that drops and I will get of it out course. there.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. Most definitely.
2: That's going to be fabulous. Well, Maria, thank you so much for joining us to tell us your experiences but this wonderful house, too.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate you having me on. And again, I'm fangirling. <laughs> you feel, you don't even know. When I first found you, I, I was telling everybody, you need to listen to this podcast. Oh, my God. I love this. This is my favorite podcast. So, yes, yeah, so this has been v- very exciting for me. Thank you so much.
2: All right. Will you stay healthy and safe?
0: Okay. Thank you, Diane.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Kelly, this is a place we need to go check out when we're in California for longer than a night. I was absolutely thinking the same. (laughs) Because we are going to be there this month, but it's literally not even for a 24-hour period of time. No, it is not, unfortunately. We're basically going to touch down and get the heck out of Dodge. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) So uh, we'll have to put that on our list for in the future. And I'm really looking forward to not only doing a tour with Maria, which could entail just hopping in a car with her and driving around Hollywood and having her tell us about everything. Heck yeah. But also, she's going to be starting that new podcast. So that's going to be very cool. And maybe at some point we can do an investigation. Yes, most definitely. When I was looking around at some of the other haunting type experiences that people had had out there, I know that Creepy AF had made a documentary back in 2017 featuring the house. And they caught a couple of interesting EVP, one of which said no when asked for its name. And then as you heard Maria sharing about Mark Harrington's experiences, he was one of the first people to really have these documented experiences of hearing somebody walking around. The Andres Pico Adobe is a really old house, and we know that these really old houses tend to have some old stories and ghost stories to go with them. But there's also a lot of artifacts in here too that could have attachments. Is the Andres Pico Adobe house haunted? That That is for you you to to decide. decide. We'd love to have you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our executive producers. And you still have time to join this list of executive producers to get in on the Christmas mailing. Yes,
3: you do, and I highly suggest
2: it.
0: You can find History Goes Bump on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. <laughs>